Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, your name is the most powerful name. There is no one like you. Father, the soul is this beautiful internal thing that you want to be healthy and that you show us ways that we can make it so, Father, so that we can be in connection and in harmony with you. Will you fill us today so we can hear directly from you? I pray that our thinking will not be destroyed by the toxic things that we want it to do, Father, but instead it'll be um, changed and transformed by your truth and your truth alone. In your mighty son's name we pray, amen. So uh, this past Wednesday, uh, it was CC Midweek. It's our once a month uh, Wednesday evening service, and we kicked off a brand new series called Soul Care. And what sparked this was I was in desperate need of some soul care, but I didn't even realize it. I was on vacation with my family, and I really thought, like, rest was going to be the answer, and I took full advantage of it. I read good books. I played games with my family. I got out on the lake on the paddleboard. I worked out. I spent extra time with God. But at the end of the day, at the end of the week, I still felt like a disconnect. And all week long, I was seeking God, and in Psalms, there's this passage, and it's Psalms 23, and it says, he will restore your soul. And I, I wondered when I heard that verse, for the, really probably the first time in my life, I actually wondered, how do you define the soul? <laughs> like, what is the soul? I'm 41, I've been at church my entire life, I'm preaching, <laughs> I'm leading, and I'm really trying to take a look at what does the soul, what is it made up of? And once you understand what it's made up of, how do you then care for it in the right way? And so I started doing a study into what is the soul. And Dallas Willard has this really great definition of what the soul is. And he talks about the soul as this innermost being. The soul is made up of our mind. It's made up of our thoughts and our emotions. It's made up of our will. So that's our choices and our intent. And then I'm going to change this definition because a really smart preacher talked to me last night and helped me get a little better insight on this one. And he said, the soul partners with the body. Out of the health of our soul, our body reacts. It's when I have healthy thinking, I'm probably going to do healthier things with my body. When I have better choices and my will is healthy, I'm probably going to make better choices with my body. So your body partners with the soul. And what was so helpful for me was I was doing all the right things for my choices. I was spending time with God. I was having fun with my kids. I was doing things that were good for my body. But there was a disconnect in my thought life. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been troubled by your own thoughts and you haven't even been able to identify it? See, this was the thing for me was I, my mind was going but I wasn't paying attention to what it was saying. Oftentimes when we have a deep disconnect in our soul, it's because our thought life is going and we are not holding it captive. We are letting it go. We are letting it run a mile a minute and we're letting all these thoughts go without stopping. 
without the silence and the solitude of just sitting with God. And we're letting it really take us captive. I talked about this idea that in Psalms 23, the Lord has prepared a table before us. And what if this table represents something of the beauty that God wants to do in our life? What if this table represents that God wants to do something in our internal soul that does something beautiful in this world, and he prepares a table for us? But then what we do is we invite an enemy to the table that was never meant to be at the table, okay? Today, we're going to be specific with one piece of the soul. I'm going to continue this series at our CC Midweek, so if you're interested, you can come back for that. It's the last Wednesday of every month. But this, I want to get specific today because I feel like over and over and over again in Scripture, you see how powerful the mind is. You see God calling us to seek things above, you see that uh, when we think about what is beautiful and honorable and peace, like you see the fruits of the Spirit, you see these things, and when you hang on to them, something beautiful happens within. But man, is it the opposite when we unknowingly let the wrong things control our minds? So I started seeing, okay, when the enemy kind of shows up in Scripture, what does it look like? Because what I realized was we had some really hard meetings. We had some hard thinking. I was feeling unsure about myself. And the Holy One took that as an opportune time to start getting me thinking all the wrong things. But here's what happens. It's the wrong things in the kind of way that's maybe a little bit placed in truth. Okay? So maybe it's something like, uh, you are, you're never going to get this right. You're not smart enough. Well, there's a reality of, I am not smart enough for a lot of this. But there's also a reality that that's not the full story. There's a reality that there is a God in heaven who's working inside of me, who's helping grow my spirit. He's helping grow my soul and my mind. And I'm not in it alone. But I sat in the truth of, you are not smart enough. You'll never be able to do this. And then it, it turned even a little bit more, and I started questioning, like, God's love for me. Like, it almost felt like I outwore my welcome. <laughs> Have you ever felt that? That you question, could God really love someone like you? See, what happens is when the wrong thinking gets in there and we don't catch it, it starts to take root, and it take, takes root in an unhealthy way. And today, I want us to fight back. Today, I want us to identify some of the thoughts of the enemy and then what it tries to do, but then I want to say, here's the truth and the voice of God, and I want to live in it, and I want to fight from it. Deal? Okay, for me, I am like a tangible girl. I am simple. I'm a little bougie sometimes. But I like to be able to see things because once I can see it, I can identify it, and then I know how to fight. It's like with cancer. When you get diagnosed with cancer, they do all the tests, all the scans to tell you what kind of cancer it is, what stage it is, how we're going to fight. And we're going to fight this cancer of the soul. You hear me, church? 
We are soul champions. We are not neglectors of the soul. So let's get ready to put on the armor. Deal? Okay. One of the first things you have to be aware of is when the unholy one came and tempted Jesus, he, at the very end of that story, you see that it says he left and he looked for an opportune time. Now, I want to be aware in my soul of what an opportune time is for the unholy one to be at work. I want to be uh, aware of, in my soul, when do I know I am most insecure? How can I label it, know it, and then I'm aware of it? Okay, so for me, I have triggers. I kind of hate the word triggers because I feel like it's used in a weird way, but we're owning it today. I have triggers. So from a young time, I felt rejection, and it's kind of carried through with me most of my life. Anyone else know the feeling? Okay. So when I feel rejected, that is an opportune time for my thinking to go bad and for it to go bad fast. And uh, I have to be aware. Ooh, I feel that in my gut. When someone says something or they compare or they do something that feels like rejection, it's like a, gunch, a gut punch, and I instantly want to go to my mind and start thinking bad. For others of us, it's when we have an extended period of hardship. So maybe it's relational. Maybe it's an extended period of just a really hard time with your spouse, and you feel weaker. You feel like maybe uh, the stuff that shouldn't look so good looks good. It's when we hit a level of exhaustion and we see the things that look and we know we shouldn't be doing, but it looks like comfort. Have you ever been there? I've been there. There are, there are things that we have to be aware of in ourselves. If I can be aware, I want you to ask yourself the question, when are you weak? Like, what is the opportune time for you to know that your defense is going to be down and you're going to start thinking unhealthy? Because when you know it, you can claim it and you can spend the extra time fueling with the healthy, good stuff. So when I started looking, okay, when the enemy of our soul shows up, how does it show up? So for a lot of us, we're going to look at this as it's a liar and a deceiver. But it takes a little bit of the truth, and it proves it, okay? So there are lies that we tell ourselves. We are unlovable. We are never going to make it. We are failures. There is something to be afraid of, and you should be afraid. You have an anxiety that you cannot control. We tell ourselves lies, and it's deception. It is not true because there is a strength inside of us that is bigger than any of these lies will ever be. You see, when I want to start thinking you're unlovable, no one likes you, what does it do? It stops me from becoming all that God wants me to be. And when I live in that junk, then I am withered and my soul is disconnected and the soul wants to seek harmony and unity and this integration. The soul wants to work together with all the pieces and the parts so that we can feel the most alive in God. 
And we will always feel the most alive in God when we are connected to him. And our thinking will stop us every time. It is a lie, and it's a deceit. Because here's the deal. Yeah, I might not be worthy. That is very, very true. But that's not the full story. Amen? The full story is I have a God who loves me, who gave his life for me. And I don't know about you, but that makes me feel worthy because I'm connected to him. It makes me feel loved in the kind of way that gives me life in the kind of way that makes me want to be a better girl. So enemy, you can have your lies and your deceits. My God in heaven says, I am worthy. He says, I am loved, and I will walk in that every day. The second thing that shows up when I start thinking about this thought life is, have you ever been like trying to do good, but then something pops up? Maybe it's a memory Maybe you're trying to be a good man and not look at things you shouldn't be looking at and something pops up on TV and now it's in your head and it's all you can think about. See, when the enemy shows up, it's he incites or persuades us to do what we know we shouldn't. And can I tell you when this happens the most? This happens the most when, um, when, when our defenses are down. This happens when we aren't being very thoughtful. And so maybe we are watching something we shouldn't watch, or maybe we are doing things we shouldn't do. But he wants to incite us. He wants to put something in your brain that says, everyone is doing it. No one is ever going to find out. Everyone's doing it. What's it really hurt? You know what? You deserve it. And you start thinking more highly of yourself than you should. My daughter and I were talking about this, and it can be so subtle. I can be talking with my husband, and it'll it'll be a shift of, like, a fight that I've picked that I don't even care about. Do you know what I'm saying, ladies? Like, I'll all of a sudden be fighting with my husband, and I'm like, why am I fighting with him right now? And it's because I've let the wrong thought creep into my heart. And I've let it stir up something in me that is not healthy, that is not from God. Amen? All right, the third one. Here's here's one that is interesting, because when you see the enemy show up, you see that it says he came to steal, kill, and destroy. And there are things in our life that I believe he wants to take away that God has given us. He is a thief. And when we have prayed for something like a spouse or we've prayed for whatever it might be, and then years later we are here talking ourselves out of it, I want you to know that that is an unhealthy thought because our God, he is a fighter. (laughs) Our God, he instills something deeper inside of us, and he says we're men and women of grit, and we do not quit. Amen? So when there's something inside of me that starts comparing my husband to something that I've never wanted or I've never, like, how dare he? How could he? And I start planting this idea that is robbing me of the gifts that God has given me. I have to be aware in those moments. 
Do you hear me? We have to be aware that this is a scheme, that this is not health, that this is a scheme of the unholy one to rob us of something that God has given us. He's an accuser. Listen, have you ever, like, been talked into something where you knew you shouldn't have done it? Because this is another tactic. You shouldn't do it, but no one's going to know. Everyone else does it. Then you do it, and then the shame hits you like a, like a wrecking ball, and you sit in it, and you're like, no one else would ever have done this. You should be ashamed. And you think about it, and you sit in the shame, the shame, the shame, the shame. That is not from God. God is not a God of shame. He is a God of life. He is a God of giving. He is a God of peace. And when we sit in the shame, I want you to know that is an attack of an enemy. You hear me? we got to label it. This is an attack. God does not want to keep you stuck. You'll see scripture over and over and over again of the beauty of Christ how he shows up to forgive, how he shows up to give life, how he shows up to give healing. The unholy one, listen, that is his game, and we will not have anything to do with it. This is the last one, and then we're going to move on. This is a prove-it attitude. When Jesus is being tempted in the desert, the unholy one says, if you are God, Turn this stone into bread. Prove it. If you're God, jump off. The angels will take you. Just prove it. It's this prove it attitude of we feel like we have to strive and give all this energy and all this life into proving that somehow we are good enough. And that is an attack also. That is not God. God says we are made perfect through our weakness, right? We are made strong in our weakness. God, is, God has got that side covered. You see, when I start feeling like I have to prove it, then it is the Sarah show. Can I get an amen? When I start feeling like uh, this is a one-person show, I'm going to work harder, I'm going to prove it, I, I hope everyone notices because we are going to prove it. <laughs> that is not from our Heavenly Father. There is a strength in him that says, I do not have to prove it. I have a God who has made it complete. I have a God who gave his life for me. I have a God who comes and stands beside me, and I am not alone. Anything good you see from me, it's coming from him anyways. Amen? We have to stand firm and not letting these things hold us back. And I want to switch now. I want to switch and say, when you really, truly understand, can I show you something beautiful God gave me? I was, I was studying the voice of the enemy, the voice of the enemy, and it's like he switched my thought pattern. It's John 10. It says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. He calls his own by name. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Something I realized in my life, for our healthy soul, 
for a healthy thought process, I have to slow down. Life is rushed. It's hectic. There's always something to do. There's always a sense of urgency. There's always a sense of like, to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. Everything depends on everything. And I feel like my whole Heavenly Father was like, slow down. I want you to have space so that you can hear my voice. Do you know how we know truth? It is by the voice of our Heavenly Father. He goes on farther because no one could understand this, what he was trying to say. And so it says, Jesus said again, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are the thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. Do you want to know the thoughts of our Heavenly Father? The first one is life-giving thoughts. I was in this time of my life where I was just like in this funk because the voice, this is going to be the part of my soul that's always the weakest. I think I can be like, you're never going to tempt me to cheat on my husband. Never going to happen. Like, I'm so ridiculously head over heels in love with that guy. Like, sorry, sucker, you stuck with me for the rest of your life. That's not going to be a weak spot for me. But my, the voice, the thing that I listen to, it is going to be a weak spot for me over and over and over. And so I was struggling one day, and I went on a drive. I had a Jeep at the time. I took the top off, let my hair blow in the wind, and I just worshipped. I just put a playlist on, and I worshipped, and I worshipped, and I worshipped. And when I was done with that ride, it was as if, like, I had cool water for my soul. Because I was sitting in the truth of God, and in the truth of God, there is an abundancy of life. There is no prove it. There is no you're unworthy. There is none of that. It is life-giving thoughts. And I start thinking, what could I do? church, you start thinking, what could my life look like? Instead of what's holding you back, you start thinking, what is possible? That is a life-giving, abundant life with God. What is possible? Not what's tearing us down, not taking this. Here's the truth. The fundamental part of soul care is always going to be directing your thoughts and redirecting your thoughts towards God. It is the fundamental part of soul care directing your thoughts to God and redirecting your thoughts to God. And I, I feel like stupid sometimes talking about this stuff because I'm like, I should be farther along. I'm sh I should be farther along and not having to do this thing. But it's a fundamental. It means we always go back to it. When you know your fundamentals, you get stronger and better and stronger and better. And a fundamental doesn't go away. You build off of it and you keep going back. It is a life-giving thought. I am loved. I am known. I'm seen. My God gave everything for me. It is a life-giving thought. The second thing you will know God's voice by is peace. Do you see here how it says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And it reminded me of Psalms 23 because there was another shepherd. 
It was David. And he knew what a shepherd looked like, so he knew when he was talking about the shepherd, it wasn't just the shepherd, it was the good shepherd. And in Psalms 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lay down in green pastures, and he leads me beside still waters. Do you know when to recognize the voice of God? It is the voice that says, it's going to be okay. It's the voice that says, let me take you somewhere more peaceful. It's the voice of optimism. And it's the voice that says, I'm not really sure, but I know that God will make a way, so I'm not going to be rooted in fear. I'm not going to be rooted in the unknown. I am going to be rooted in a God who leads me beside still waters. I'm going to be rooted in a God who is a God of peace. And when my soul feels disrupted, it reminds me, it's like that red flag, it's that trigger. Get back to where you belong. Get back to the right thinking. Take captive every thought. Fight. Fight. Because your God has something so much better for you. It's this idea that when the world is all disrupted, my soul can still have peace. It's this idea that you can't buy peace no matter how unhealthy you are. Because your God, he is the giver of peace. You know what else your God does? He restores. Psalms 23.3, he restores my soul and he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Jake and I are watching this show, and it's on YouTube, and it is, there's little areas, areas in the world that are kind of dying out. They're very small towns, and the population gets older, and then the younger generation doesn't stay, and so they're dying out. And we found this family who bought a home, because what the government's doing is selling these homes for like a dollar, one euro, so that you can bring in this younger generation and kind of repopulate these little towns. And Jacob and I are watching the show, and it's a thousand-year-old home. I look around, my house is like 10 years, and I'm like, that's falling apart. You know what I'm saying? This is a 10 or a 1,000-year-old home. And it's crumbling. And we're looking at it and we're like, how are they ever gonna restore this? And they, they start with the foundation and they go underneath and they say, okay, is this, can it hold everything that's under it? And they start uh, reinforcing it with steel beams. And slowly they start putting the new and the fresh. This is what God wants to do in our life. He wants to restore. You see, there are times in my life that God is going to call something better out in me. There's times when the Holy Spirit is going to convict something in me that I should not be doing. But you know how I know the difference between shame and a Holy Spirit conviction? The Holy Spirit convicting me always has movement. Shame always keeps you stuck. Jake and I were in a fight one night, and like I got out of bed, because you know every good fight happens in bed late at night, and went out of bed, stormed downstairs, you know, and I just felt the whisper, go make it right. You were not the winner in that one. Go make it right. God will restore, and he'll lead us into paths of righteousness. When we hear the whisper, go make it right, get up, go do that, let's not do that. You're better than that. That is the voice of a God who goes and says, just, you are loved, now sin no more. Amen? 
the last way that I hear the voice of my God. Psalms 23, it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. When sheep go astray, the shepherd has their staff. It's got the hook on the end, and sheep are dumb. <laughs> and I was reading that oftentimes sheep, when there's water, they'll go running towards it, and if it's rushing fast, they just tip right over, and they get taken away. And so often the shepherd will come in, and he'll hook them, get them out, and save them. And then the rod that the shepherd carries is to beat off the attacks of the enemy. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, there are going to be times in our life that feel dark. There are going to be times in our life that we do not know how to move forward. Even though I am in those times, I will fear no evil. Do you know what the opposite of anything unholy is? It's the idea that we are not alone that I have nothing to fear because my God, he has got his staff and he has got his rod. I never fight alone. My God is the good shepherd who restores my soul, who brings peace, who gives me life-giving thoughts. I stressed everyone out this morning because I started second-guessing my sermon. It was like, Oh, hate being a crybaby. I hate it so much. It was like uh, late last night. And you know, the more you learn, the more you realize how much you don't know. That's where I was at. I was like, holy, I know nothing. And I'm about to get up here and preach this to you. And I um, struggled through the night. It was like 4 a.m., and I'm rereading, like, what's the soul? I don't even get it. And uh, I got out of bed at like 6, and I just spent time with God. And part of the soul care for me is silence. Like, I just have to be with him. And I heard someone say, when you feel a little stuck, and you can't really pull yourself out of it. I want you to go back to the very last thing you remembered God saying that you knew was true. Like you knew without a doubt the last thing that God told you this is true. So this morning, I got up and I went back to this John passage because when I was reading this, it like lit my soul on fire because I was like, man, I am hungry to know the voice of my God. I am hungry to not sit in the junk of the spiritual enemy. I don't want anything to do with it. I'm hungry to attack and fight. And when it says in verse 11, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. I sat in that truth. There is a truth that you are so deeply loved that the God of the universe was willing to give his life so that you could have life and have it abundantly. And I sat in that truth this morning and I got to the church about five minutes before church began. 
Everyone was calling me. <laughs> I was like, I promise I'll never not show up. But I sat in the truth that there is a good shepherd. And he gives us life, and he gives it abundantly. And if we are called in him, he will never fail us. He will never forsake us. Church, I want you to know that there is a good, good father, and he is a good shepherd, and he loves you. And there is no attack of the soul that will ever keep you from him. He has given you everything you need through him to fight. And I call us to be a church that fights. We are, we are not neglectors of the soul. We are champions of the soul. Soul champions. Amen? Amen. And when the unholy one strikes, we fight, and we fight back, because our God has given us the armor. And I put on the belt of truth, and I walk in it, knowing that he is good, he is real, and he has loved us so much. He gave his life so that we might live, and we might have life abundantly. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I love you. I love you so very much, and I just want my life to be a reflection of that. I want it to be a reflection so that all that see will know that there is a true God in heaven. And I pray that your voice will speak louder to every single person in this room, to every person listening online. I pray where the unholy one wants to destroy and kill, Father, that you swoop in with that rod because we are not alone. You are the good, good shepherd who fights on our behalf. But I pray something in us will be still. We'll listen. And we will be connected to you. In your mighty son's name we pray. Amen.